Reminder that Barker's back leg bits DMs are now open. They have been open. They're still open. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. Gives you a chance to ask questions of Kevin. Then we mull over the answers. Mm. Mm. Jay's opening a three-game series against the Twins tonight. 707 first pitch. You say Kikuchi against Chichi Gonzalez. Saturday, former twin Jose Barrios against Dylan Bundy. And then Sunday, Kevin Gossman against Devin Smelter. And, and Mr. Barker, you pointed out, twins have had a nice season so far. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out about them over these next nine games. Yeah, they have the, the Blue Jays for three. They have the Yankees for three. They have the Rays for three. The next nine games, well, the world's going to know if the twins are any good or not. Yeah, well, yeah, and and I think... You know, especially given what we have just seen from the Chicago White Sox and given where the White Sox are and given the fact that they will not have Tim Anderson during this stretch of time. This is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's only June. This is going to be an, an intriguing nine days in the, in the American League Central. So, sometimes I would, I would think if you're a GM of, of the, you know, any of those teams who are trying to take it to the next level, you want to play good teams to tell you where your team's at, tell you where your manager's at, tell you where your coaching staff's at, because you have to step your game up. Twins are going to have to make good pitches. They're going to, have to throw strike one. They're going to have to catch the baseball. They're going to have to run the bases well. So, you know, you're. It's one thing to be a good team in the Central. <laughs> it's another thing to go. Now he, they're getting the 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 Yankees and the Rays at home, which will help. You know, they're they're playing decent at home, so that that'll help. But yeah, you got to do all the right things to be good teams and. You want to be a good team, you got to beat the best teams. There's also, also a bit of breaking news in Major League Baseball today. Joe Girardi was fired by the Philadelphia Phillies about half an hour, 40 minutes ago. Uh, fired by the Phillies as their manager. He was replaced by Rob Thompson. Canada's own Rob Thompson. Uh, member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So he will take over as interim manager, according to the club, until the end of the 2022 season. So uh, there you go. Joe Girardi has been fired by the Philadelphia Phillies. Probably not a great surprise given where the Phillies are and given all the chatter we kind of heard in the national media the last couple of days about about the Philadelphia Phillies. We mentioned the Jays and the Twins will open their three-game series tonight. The Twins, they are setting the pace in the American League Central. Tad Levine is senior VP and GM of the Minnesota Twins he joins us on Blair and Barker. Tad, thanks so much for taking time out to uh, join us today. As always, we uh, we do appreciate your time. Look, I'm, we're going to get rid of some uh, some paperwork if we can right away. Just we know that uh, that uh, the Twins have had to put some players on the on the on the COVID IL. Max Kepler, I think five players have gone on there. Uh, Joe Ryan and Carlos Correa are on the. I'm sorry, they're on the restricted list. Joe Ryan and Carlos Correa on the COVID IL. Oh, could, could, is, could Carlos be activated for any game in this series? Or I'm a little unclear as to, as to the, the rules around that list. Yeah. Well guys, first of all, th- thanks for having me on. We definitely appreciate what uh, the Blue Jays have done over the last three days to the Chicago White Sox. We're much appreciative, but it also intimidates <laughs> us a little bit as we walk into a team that's hot as heck right now. Uh, it's, you know, this has been such a, a nuanced part of the job something that clearly we hadn't had to worry about over the last, you know, 15 years of our careers, but there's a constant shuffling of rosters based upon, uh, you know, coaching staffs, players, support staffs being afflicted by, by COVID. And for our franchise, 
Unfortunately, it dates back to a couple weeks ago when we went to Tampa Bay and that team was dealing with some COVID outbreaks. And then uh, as we left town, we started seeing it uh, hit some of our coaches. It hit our manager at that time. Uh, it worked through some of our support staff and unfortunately found its way to our players. And as you mentioned, uh, we're still dealing with a few players, Joe Ryan, Carlos Correa, Gilberto Celestino, all of those guys are on the COVID list. And to answer your question directly, what we found is it really is a case-by-case basis. For right. some of our guys, they've been kind of back and in action in about seven days. Other guys, it's kind of trailed into the 10 to 14-day period. And then, you know, the, the, the part that's so subjective is even when they're technically allowed to come back, as you guys can imagine, for those of us who've had COVID, you're, you're not feeling quite 100%. So you may not be an everyday player for, for the team. So we've just been trying to do the best we can with the information we've had to put our players in the best position to succeed, not just for today, but for, for the long haul, because like the Blue Jays, we have aspirations of uh, playing deep into September and ideally October. How, you know, how concerned are you, Thad, and, and not just specifically with this instance, but in general that, um, you know, that, that it could become, I'm going to call it a clubhouse distraction, but the vaccination status of players could become an issue. You know, I, there, there's a scenario where you guys play the, the Jays in the postseason, um, you know, and, and, and I guess I'm just wondering if it's an issue like how an organization goes about addressing that, because clearly you've got personal choice involved. Uh, you've also got, you want to be a good teammate. You want to do what's right for your, for, your, for your teammates, for your fans. How do you go about managing that? Because you, you use the right word. It really is a nuanced situation. Well, guys, I think you've just illuminated one of the biggest challenges in professional sports, uh, one that we had not faced uh, really ever before, because... Keep in mind that you know, we've always built clubhouses that ideally have very good chemistry, uh, good morale, and good uh, you know, teamwork. However, there's always been a, a sense of an undercurrent of people have had different values and different principles and different ideals. It just probably has never been quite as publicized as it has been over the last couple of years with, with some of the things that our, our country has faced. And so now everybody knows exactly who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated, and it, it, it's something that be, has become quite a, a challenge, I think, throughout sports. We, we've seen it hit and afflict uh, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, and, and now the Major League Baseball. And it's, it's a, it is a significant thing that we're, we're working through. I would say, by and large, and I'm, I'm guessing our team is similar to most, is I, I do think the players respect each other's personal opinions. Now, that being said, when you walk into an environment that is as talent rich as the Toronto Blue Jays with the fan base that they have, where there's a bona fide home field advantage, you don't feel great about giving them an additional advantage when you walk in there a little bit shorthanded. But I think the way we view it is it's an opportunity for other guys to step up, rise to the occasion. And, and hopefully, you know, we, we come out of there and play really competitive games against one, one of the hottest teams in the game right now. You, you hate to go in shorthanded. And I think the players realize that, but they also do respect each other's you know, principles and values. That, that we, we love to, on this show, look, look at the schedule and see you know, how the schedule can match up to what the team has to offer, sort of like the Blue Jays the first 31 days, 
the first 30 games, you know, it really put a spotlight on they're really right-handed. Like, you know, a, a decent right-handed pitcher can throw two pitches and get through this lineup because they're really right-handed. And that makes it a little easier for a GM to go, wow, bam, right there it is. Now, you know, we try and hone in on that. I'm, I'm sort of asking you about the part, this part of the schedule for the Twins, next nine games. I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but the three big teams in the American League East, you're getting them. What, what could this tell you about your team? And would this alter your decision-making on, you know, how this may go the next nine games? I think you try to stay as objective as you possibly can in terms of evaluating your team. So it's not just all about your record. It is a lot about the schedule, uh, both who you've played and who you are going to play. And I think as much as we'd like to sit here and tell you, you have to always beat the best of the best to be able to be the best in, in practice. You really got to win the games you need to win. And then you, you got to be competitive against the best in the league. And, you know, I think we look at it as 162 games, almost every team every year wins at least 60, almost every team every year loses at least 60. So it's what you do with the other 42 that often determines your fate and recognizing those games that are in those 42 and trying to be as competitive as you possibly can We've been fortunate so far. We, we've played fairly well against the better teams uh, in the league. We, we had a little bit of a rough patch there with Houston and, and the Dodgers. They may be the class of, of each of their leagues at, at some point here. We've yet to face the Yankees, which will be a huge test. Same with Toronto for us. But we played pretty competitively against those top-tier teams. I expect that to continue. Now, we, we are with a little bit of slightly different personnel than we've had uh, when we played some of those clubs. But I, I do think one of the beauties of the best franchises is you just never make mistakes. And every time there's a new guy who gets to come up, it's an opportunity for them to shine and show what they can do. And, you know, what we've learned in this COVID time is it's not your first line of defense that often wins you a championship. It's what you've got in reserve, the second line of defense, the third line of defense. We really tried to build out this team with that in mind. That's certainly being put to the test right now. Communication in 2022 is so important. And we, we started talking about Alec Manoa and, and pushing and, and seeing him react to being taken out of the game and looking at big picture if you're a coaching staff. And I want to ask, you guys gotten off to a really good start. How tough is it to have that communication with what you do with the coaching staff to say, yeah, we really want to win these games we're supposed to win, but also look at big picture September and October, sort of like the Blue Jays are doing. And now with sort of like the Twinkies are doing when it comes to, you know, you got to know when to push on the gas pedal and you not, you got to know when to back off a little. Well, you know, I, I, Billy Bean has been so gracious with his time throughout my career. One thing he, he said to me early in my career when I was very inexperienced, he said, you Use April and May to really evaluate your team, June and July to make the necessary changes, and then hopefully August and September you can sit back and, and enjoy the team's run to the playoffs. And I, and I think we're still kind of in that first two months evaluation period where you, you, you want to be smart, but you, you want to win as many games as you can. I do believe like banking wins in April and May is, is just as valuable in the push at the end. That being said, like I think you're really filling out your personnel this time of year, seeing what they're capable of, but also being mindful of what, what the end goal is. And the end goal for the Toronto Blue Jays, the end goal for the Minnesota Twins, is to be playing playoff games. And you want to have your best personnel clicking on all cylinders at that point. The best way to achieve that sometimes is being mindful of, of you know, usage early, giving, giving that premium position player a day off early in the season so you can push late and taking that starting pitcher out maybe a, a batter or two early, earlier in the season so you can push them late. That's how we're all building these franchises right now. We're, we're not putting 1,000% of the stock in those wins in April because we're trying to build up 
towards a crescendo at the end of the season when we can be playing our best baseball heading into the postseason. How important is it as, as part of that, that plan, as part of that big picture, to try to keep Byron Buxton on the field? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's vital. It's, it's vital for, for our franchise. Uh, you know, much has been made over his career of his injuries, but similarly so much has been made of the record of this franchise when he's been on the field versus when he's not. And, it, you know, for, for people like yourselves and myself, we watch thousands of baseball games in our careers. It's almost unfathomable to think that one player can impact when you're, you're talking about 26-man rosters now. But the numbers don't lie. This guy has just been so vital to our organization's success, and it's for multiple reasons. You know, you guys see what he does as a player. He's a platinum glove caliber center fielder who can who can really affect the game on the defensive side. He's one of the most elite base runners in the game, and he's got tremendous offensive ability. But what you guys may not also see is just the impact he has in the clubhouse. He just has that innate ability to make everyone around him feel a little bit more confident walking up to the plate, a little bit more happy, a little bit more carefree. And and the net effect is we win a lot of games when he's active. He creates a lot of problems for the opposing team. And and I think that takes the pressure off of the other guys. And when the the other team is focusing so much on Byron, they may be inclined to make a little bit of a mistake against some of the other guys in the lineup and, and those guys make them pay for that. And so Byron is, is vital to our success and, he has been over the years, and I think, you know, so too goes the, the same for Carlos Correa this year. I think we built this team with the thought in mind that, you know, we really want to keep those guys as healthy as we possibly can. And if we can keep that duo on the field, we believe we can be competitive with almost anybody in the American League. Dad, I think the, the, the Blue Jays are going through something a little bit, what you're going through with George Springer. And and I, when I was listening to you talk there, I, I was wondering if a player of that stature, like just has athleticism and, and is sort of a freak when it comes to just what the things he can do on a field. And George Springer's sort of there a little bit. But you mentioned track record. And, and I wonder if a player – like the, those two guys, Buxton and Springer, can learn how to keep themselves on the field. And even if organizations would want them to, because if they do, you're sort of not getting the best of those two players. Do you really want them to not dive as much or learn how to slide differently on the bases? Do organizations want them to learn how to do that? It's, it's, it's a fine line. It is an absolute fine line. It's debates we've had here constantly. And I can speak a little bit to, to George Springer, too, having seen him play so much over my career. I mean, what a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he can do literally everything off the field. And I think, you know, and you guys know this, but from George's case, like the things he's done off the field to impact, uh, you know, certain communities has just been phenomenal to see over his career and for him to apply his his notoriety and then some of the challenges he's faced in his life. It's just, it's really uplifting to see what he's done. But I, I, I do agree with you. You know, we, we sit down with Byron and we say, Hey, you know, the, the double off the wall in the second inning is a much better outcome than you catching that ball and slamming into the wall and getting a concussion. Hmm. And I think the way both those guys are wired, they just believe what they owe the pitching staff is when the ball is in the air, it is going to get caught End of discussion. And I just don't, I think it's a hard wiring I think it's something that I, you know, shy of us putting a shock collar around his ankle and zapping him (laughs) periodically, I just think their mindsets are so crystal clear on that, which is what they owe the pitching staff is if they have the ability, even if it's a 1% chance of them making a catch, they are going to go get that ball. And so we've had sit-down conversations with Byron about that. And, you know, one area where I think it's shown up a little bit for him this year is he's probably beating out a few 
fewer infield hits than he normally would. And it's because we've told him, you know, the, the absolute jailbreak from home to first every single time, which is what he was inclined to do, you know, for that 5% chance that the, the infielder bobbles the ball or he just beats it out. It's just not worth the injury that he could sustain. So he's learned how to adjust his game somewhat. But to your point, I think what makes these guys so magical, what makes these guys the players that fans genuinely want to buy tickets to go see, it's pretty hardwired in those guys. And I'm not sure they're going to make too many fundamental changes uh, because they would no longer be true to who they, who they truly are. You know, when, when Gio Urshela was here and, and, and left the Jays, I mean, I, I, just, I don't think anybody made anything of it at the time. I'm not even entirely certain it would have been anything other than just a note in somebody's, in somebody's notebook. Uh, of course, we know that Gio, Gio Urshela has turned into a really good player. How important has he been for you guys, and, and how important will he be going forward? He, he's been a really steady leader on our team. Uh, you know, when we made some of the acquisitions we made this offseason, you know, one of the things that we were certainly aware of is, that, you know, in acquiring Gio Urshela, Urshela and Gary Sanchez, Joe Smith, and, and certainly Carlos Correa, we were acquiring a lot of guys who played a lot of playoff games and who had success in a lot of playoff games. And, and that's one thing. But the, the second thing is, like, are they able to communicate that to, to other players, especially some of our younger, less experienced players? And I think Gio's really done a nice job with that. He's He's, you know, fluent in, in English and Spanish, and so he's really made a, a nice connection with almost all of our clubhouse guys uh, throughout throughout our clubhouse, and that's that's tremendous. What he's done on, our, on the field has been extremely consistent. He's been a very solid defender at third base. He's been a solid fixture in our lineup, and, you know, as we said and talked about in the first segment of this, we've just had so many injuries this year, so many COVID placements, and one of the constants has been Gio Urshela at third base, and I think from a manager's perspective, as much as we're all mindful of giving guys days off from time to time, there's something pretty magical about knowing you could pen a guy into the lineup most every day and that he's going to be able to go to post. And so amidst all of the changes throughout the lineup, one constant has been Gio Rochelle, and I think that's been great for our franchise. Dad, really good of you to join us today. Thanks great so much. Stuff. Thank you so much. Yep, be well. Yeah, continued success to you guys, and it's a, it's a lot of fun watching your franchise. and. Hopefully we'll see some really competitive games over the next three days. Absolutely. Take care. Thad Levine, senior VP and GM of the Minnesota Twins. Jeff, I, I, I well, listening to him talk about Buxton, I, that, that's, that can't be the easiest thing to do because you, you just want to, as a, as a front office, to say, big fella, here you go. Like, go, go yeah. get it. Show us what you can do. We want to give you all this money. And then you see how he goes about it, and you see how he has the, the big issue of staying on the field. I, it just seems like it's a, it's a thing. Like, it's the, it's the elephant in the room but I, that nobody knows an answer to. But I like Dad's answer about, or answer to that question as well, because it is something we've talked about. We've talked about with George Springer, and that's why I do believe, um, I do believe there's a time where you go to George Springer and you say to him, you know, we we want you to be our everyday right fielder. I don't think it's fair to go to a guy, as Tad said, those, you're a player, you're hardwired, the ball's in the air, the ball's in your area, mm-hmm. you're going to go get the ball. That I mean, you just are. You're going to go get the ball. And if you have to stretch a bit to get it, you're going to stretch. If you have to dive, you're going to have to, you're going to have to dive. I don't think... <clears throat> I don't think you can tell a guy to ease up defensively. Right? I, what, what Tad said is right. 
you know, everybody criticized guys. Oh, my God, this guy didn't run all the way down to first base. I, I don't care if a guy doesn't run, leg it out to first base all the time. There are ways you can practice self-preservation. It's harder to do in the outfield. And to me, the only way you do that is to, it, instead of saying, George, we don't want you diving for balls or we want you to be a little more careful in center field, is you move the guy to right field. And I think that's, that's I don't know if that's why, <clears throat> you know, the contractual talks with Teo haven't gone here, but I think at some point in the, in the not too distant future, George Springer is going to be the right fielder for this team. And there's going to be somebody else in center field, somebody younger. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to act like I would know how that conversation would go because it, it, it would almost be like George might think I'm being punished for something, but you know, but you, you can uh, maybe a yeah. little. I know he's been paid, and and it's you're sort of going to do. It's not. You're sort of going to do what we tell you to do. There's a fine line there. I, I know that. Yeah, but but that's not, sort of what it is. You'd, I'd also think George Springer would maybe. be smart enough to know that you're not. Maybe they're not maybe. punishing. He him. is the quarterback on the field when you play center field. That's the whole thing. It comes with. Yeah. I'm making all of this money. I'm the quarterback, and now I'm not. Can you sell it to him? And would you have to be a really good salesman to do it? Uh, that That's the little thing. Let me the, ask you this, Kevin. I, I don't know Who's, if I know the answer to that. Who, who has to sell them? Is that a managerial discussion? That's a great question. Or is that your GM and, you know, maybe your club president having that discussion with them? I, that's, I, that's, a, that's a big move. I'm saying that's, the per, that's your GM would have yeah. to call him in a room, have a conversation how that conversation would go, that that's not the manager's job. I mean, you're you're moving your $150 million man from a premium position to a, I don't say it's not a premium position, but it's not center field, to a position that, let's quite frankly say, you don't know how to keep yourself on the field. We think this is the way we're going to do it to keep you on the field. That's a sl- I'm going to say it right now. That's a slap in his face. How do you handle it? I'm not saying it's not right for him and right for the organization and right for the team because in September and October is when you want him on the field. But, man, how would you sell it to him? That's the thing. I mean, I would sell it to him by saying we think it it helps with load management. We think it increases. Uh, we, we think it increases the likelihood for that you were going to be healthy. And, he, I know, but, he knows he he should be playing and he wants to play. Right. He but, hates that. But you know what? If we can do this. And this is a way of getting you in the field more often. At least consider it. That that was the way. That's the way I would put it to him. And and I and I I also will say this. I think it's a little easier to have that discussion if this group has some success. Like if this group were to go to the World Series or win a World Series or something like that, I think it's a little easier to have that discussion with him. I think mate, this is just me. I think that's something you would have to have a conversation with him in the off season. Don't throw oh, it on uh, him oh, in, in y- during the season. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I, I'm not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not saying do it in the mid- middle of the season. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely. That's something you have a conversation with him in the off season. That's something you also. He has to look at the guy who's going to be in center Last field. Last time go, I checked, to uh, Teoscar Hernandez <laughs> is the right fielder for the Toronto yeah. Blue Jays. And if something was to happen, you don't re-sign him. You trade him. That's gonna that would make it an easier conversation. Well, there's there's a spot open there. Or if you traded Lourdes, or if Teos you brought in left field, or if you brought in a center fielder of 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 of, of a good caliber. There, so there it is. But I I just look. But yeah, it's, I, it's I not there, an in-season I discussion. A, I, I agree. It's not an in-season discussion. I pay you. I'm. But how do you have it? Like I. Yeah. I, 
No, it's Boy, not. That's, that's not an easy conversation to have. It's, would it be? It's not an in-season discussion. You're absolutely right. That's GM visits your house. Maybe your agent's there. Maybe the manager comes along in the off-season. You have cocktails. Maybe go out for a nice meal, and you you have that discussion. I mean, it's obvious they have so many stats that can tell you you played this many games in center before you get hurt. I don't want to have to do this every single year with you. The load management, we're getting tired of selling it to fans and to yeah, you and even... to your teammates. We're tired of selling it. It would be just easier if you moved to this position. I, it's a, it's I, an interesting. Boy, it's, a, it's not well, it's an easy interesting, when you say it out loud, is it? But it's an interesting conversation to have, and and it's um it, it's he's certainly not the first player that will that will have that conversation. But again, I'm not saying we have to have it this week, tonight, next week, maybe not even next year. Uh, but I do think at some point it is going to be a reality for George for, to, for George. To Springer. your point, it would be easier if you do move him. The pl- the person that plays center is better than Zimmer. <laughs> that, that, that would be that George, would be, George, that would be yeah, a little okay. easier to handle, right? <laughs> Unless it's Bradley Zimmer hitting a, hitting, yeah. you know, he's not hitting half his weight. No, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, but give me a bit of give me, give me a bit more give me a bit more credit than that. I'm not saying you. Because this, the, to, to further your point, it's not even about the person that you're you're putting in center. It's more about George, and hearing Thad talk about what he's going through with the player he's going through, and having that conversation where he can't play three days in a row. And this is an organizational thing because this is what we feels better for the player. And if the player's on the field, that makes our team and our organization better. Man, I, I, I will say this though, that's a hard conversation. It, it is, but. As, as you were talking, I was also thinking of Vernon Wells. And Vernon Wells Vernon Wells got so beat up playing center field. So beat up playing center field. And I often wonder what his career would have been like had he been in another position. Because Vernon Wells had a terrific career and was a terrific offensive player. And I, I mean, I've said this on, on this show a lot, I know. Folks have no idea... Uh, because I was covering the team then. I was spending a lot of time in the clubhouse around the team. Folks have no idea how often that dude played hurt. Tur- turf toe was the one big one. And and his wrist. I mean, because he was always diving for it. Pe- people have no idea how often that guy, like, you know, sacked up and went out and played when he probably when he probably shouldn't have been. Um, and, and it's just, like I said, I think it's a discussion that, that, that teams will eventually have. The Twins will have to have it with, with uh, Byron Buxton at some point. But... Again, Tad is right. It, it's you can't. Everybody preaches controlled aggression and all that, but man, when the game starts and the lights are bright and the crowd's cheering and your guy's on the mound and he's pitching his ass off and it's just not there, and here comes a ball into the gap, and I don't know if I should really. Yeah, I got to try for it. I mean, you can't. You can't flip that switch defensively. You just can't. And the other thing is, fans, fans notice when a dude flips a switch defensively. They do. Sure, it's like when when it's and a, so it's a broadcast. It's, it's a tool. It's a tool. You know, I'd be the first one to raise my hand. The name on the back will tell you how hard you have to run to first base, and I'll continue to say that I never could be a guy when I was in the big leagues that could uh you know lollygag to first base. You could not afford to become a lollygagger. Abs- absolutely not, because the first guy would have called you out would have been the manager where you're not hustling. Yeah. There's a fine line there. You got you got to be careful and know, and and do players even know how to do that? Like, turn it off and on like that. 
Thad was talking about first inning, we wouldn't want you to run hard down the first baseline. But the eighth inning, I would want you to. Do you know how to do it and when to do it? We talked to Russ Martin earlier this week about that, and that was the one concerns about Russ because Russ was, yeah, Russ was balls out to first base, and if I have to head first slide in the first inning to beat the throw, I got to head first slide in the first inning. No, you you don't, don't, don't do that. You're just protect your shoulders, protect your head. You don't. You don't have to do that. Uh, Barker's back leg bits. DMs are open. We've got a ton of questions for Mr. Barker right now, but there's still plenty of time to submit those questions. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. And uh, maybe we'll take a stroll through the text line as well since we've got some time. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is a stretch drive. Blair and Parker for Friday. We'll be back Monday from 10 to noon Eastern. Sunday, we'll be doing Blue Jays talk. Mm-hmm. Loaded for bears. So if they can sweep the Twins. Two out of three. It's 11 in a row, and then you got Detroit and Kansas City. Ooh. The, the Twins still got a little confidence, and then they're going to, you know, they got some decent pitching. Well, we know, we, if, if two, you, out, two out of three. Don't if you missed the news, crazy. Max Kepler will not be on the trip with the Twins. That'll help. Uh, due to COVID restrictions. Caleb Thielbar, Emilio Pagan, and Trevor McGill, they've gone on the restricted list. Um... The Twins will make moves. We'll announce corresponding moves later. Carlos Correa and Joe Ryan are on the COVID IL. Now, my understanding with, first of all, Correa is vaccinated. Um, and and I think the rule is two negative tests w- within 72 hours. But I've been told that there are exceptions. And I don't, I mean, I didn't go into detail with anybody. Basically, what I was told is when it comes to a situation like that, um, you just have to show up, and if the guy's there, he's, you know. Playing. He's playing. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way I can put it. I wish I could get a little deeper than that. But that's uh, that's the only way I can put it. Uh, so the Twins are basically not going to have a fifth of their fifth of their team, their 25-man roster mm-hmm. with them, which is insane when you think about it. And I loved we had Dad Levine, the GM, on just a few minutes ago, and he this is, as he said, one of the things that has happened during COVID is and I hadn't thought of it and I hadn't processed it in my mind the way he described it, but it's kind of like there's another wrinkle now when you talk about clubhouse chemistry, right? It, it's, we haven't had to deal, like teams are all, have always been made up of people with different opinions about stuff. This is the first time a, that different opinion could determine whether or not you could play. It's it's with right? America. It's with American League teams who might have to come to Canada and play the Blue Jays. How dare the Blue Jays be good? Because if you're Thad yeah. and you're thinking, I, I just say I don't have any idea what he wants to to get, but it, let's go uh, another starter, and that guy's not vaccinated. Oh, and, and now you're now you're thinking about well, what if we have what to go to the Blue to Jays and play, and and I need Bingo. him to pitch, and, it, and, of course, and I can't get him, and now I have to get a lesser player. It's a thing, and of course, it's the same thing with the Blue Jays. Going out in the trade market. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's all fine and well to say trade for this guy, trade for this guy, trade for this guy. Huh. But if the guy isn't vaccinated. So I, I will say this. I have been, and, and this may change as the summer goes on. And it may change 
as more teams come in here. But I have been pleasantly surprised that for the most part, for the most part, you haven't had a lot of front office people really, at least publicly, really whine and complain about about the border restrictions. You've had some managers, but a lot of the front office people haven't, you know, they, they've they've just kind of accepted. A lot of the times the manager it. is the voice for the organization. This is true. <laughs> you know what time it is? Time to get her done. It's time get for it done. Barker's back leg bit. We're gonna get Mr. Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest, you don't remember Kevin Barker Absolutely as a player, not. do you? It's like 50 years ago we played. Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Ozzy Gian. Fond memories of Kevin Barker. Oh, yeah. This is Barker's back leg bits. It is that time of the show where you get to submit questions to Kevin Barker, Mike. We got to get you on Twitter so they can just submit it to you, and I don't have really? to collate all these. Yes. So let me go on Twitter to make it easier for you. Yes. Make your life easier. Yes. All right, I'll jump right on that. That would be nice. Let me, let me hurry up and do that. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. I will uh, go through all these questions and oh. collate. It'll and, and collate so them. So tough. Nathan James suggests that I'm the one who has the dis- have the discussion with George Springer about moving him to right field. Who? Who? You? Yeah, not happening. Uh, this is from Doc Fletch Murphy. The Jays are deep at catcher. The Jays are deep in the left side of the infield. How about Moreno in a corner outfield position? He has the arm, bat, and athletic ability, and the Jays have no outfield prospects. Somebody mentioned this, and I, I don't know if it was Ben Nicholson-Smith, but somebody mentioned the possibility of Moreno, if you want to get that bat in the lineup, putting him in the outfield. Here's the thing. First of all, right now, they don't need his bat in the lineup. He is, he is going to be your catcher soon. Soon. Hmm. There is no reason... He he's hitting yes he's he's hitting well at AAA. Power's not quite there yet, but he's hitting well at AAA. Folks, there's no reason to bring him up right now. The team is winning. The two guys you have who are catching are contributing both defensively and offensively. I I can't say this enough. Let's not create an issue. Kevin, at least this is my point. Don't create an issue where, where an issue doesn't exist. This franchise is set up at catcher for the next 10 years if they play it right. Let's not screw it up. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen teams that try and put uh, position players out of the positions that they are good at, oh. and it hurts their team. Kevin now Biggio. You're, <laughs> Kevin Biggio is a good defender. Like He's not no, going to hurt I mean, your team. He's a, he's a good enough but defender. But he ain't an everyday third oh, baseman. Absolutely not. He's a... He's a you know, he's a, he's a role player. That, that's what role players do. They try and figure out ways to keep themselves in the big leagues. It's more about an offensive side of the ball with Kevin Biggio. But he's the, he's the number one prospect as, as a catcher. And now, and now you want to put him in the, in the outfield yeah. with the way a lot of hitters are trying to get the ball in the air and how good, good uh, the defenses have to be. And, you know, the four-man outfield. And, oh, man, like so many things could go wrong with that. It's called a DH. If he's that good of a hitter. And you have to have him in the lineup. Yeah, they, they have shown you that they will put both their catchers in the lineup at the same time yes. because one of them's breaking. 
and they have to put him in there because they have to put him in there. And they literally are leaving <laughs> themselves are. without a catcher. Yeah, the work Kevin Bishop may have to catch. Santiago Espinal <laughs> is the backup. That's the, is it really? It is. No, it is. It's Santiago oh, Espinal is the emergency guy. Small of a target would that be? <laughs> I I just don't I, like I don't like getting I, I don't like getting cute with with Gabriel Moreno. What you want. What you want to do is you want to bring you want to bring him up at a time when the team is winning, at a time when he is going well, so he's not the savior. But that time will come. Don't rush it. I, I, I understand that we're always looking for talking points. And, man, prospect porn is a thing. I mean, there's a cottage industry of people who get really excited about prospects. Just... They need to give it a rest. Let Gabriel Moreno do what he's going to do in AAA, and when he's ready, he'll be up here. But, but, man, don't fixate on it. Don't fixate on it. Right now, your team is winning. Your catchers are hitting better than any other group of catchers in baseball. They're contributing defensively, and your best prospect is learning a very – learning arguably the most complicated position in the sport at AAA – What's not to like about that? Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying. I am really trying to find the downside to that. Other than the fact that people get their jolly seeing prospects called up. I don't know, man. Nothing I get. But... Marcus. Why is Biggio here? He's not good. If he wasn't a Hall of Fame son, would he be here? Now Marcus got to the point. Kevin. Um, leaving aside all the Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, which was a nice storyline, but has absolutely nothing to do with the reason uh, Kevin Biggio's here. You made a point the other day, and I, I thought about it. Watch, and I, I thought about it in this series in particular. Um, Kevin Biggio doesn't give me much offensively, and you talked about maybe maybe you would have bunted in the uh, eighth, inning. eighth inning yesterday. Of course, he hits a single, but double. I'm sorry, a double, but. <laughs> Um, thought about, thought about bunting, but you also made a point. We've seen him make a couple of big defensive plays that, that timing play with, with Guriel, the throw to second base with Guriel, picket second, the the picket second, and Luis Rivera was talking about that the next day, that, that picket second, you did a good job breaking it down. That was not just, that was not ho-hum. Here comes the ball. It was, there was a lot of, of intrinsic understanding of what you have to do to get an out involved in that. Um, Kevin's okay for what they need right now. Uh, is he going to be your most impactful left-handed bat off the bench? Look, I think the days of viewing him as a Ben Zobrist or something like that, those are gone. Kevin Biggio, to me, uh, could be a good 25th man on the right roster. But I'm, I don't view him as a core player. He's a guy, if you know, if, if he's here, he's not going to hurt me defensively. If he gets sent down to AAA, you know, I just kind of shrug, shrug my shoulders. He's had his chance, and he is what he is, and the organization's taking care of him. And that's kind of where I am with him. Now, I will say this, though, and I know you were going to go here. Tapia, Biggio, and Zimmer. I need a more proficient left-handed bat in those three. 
I like Tapia. I'll I like, stick with I like Tapia, his, but the other two, I, I, I can't have both in the I like, team. I like, I like Tapia's speed. I, you know, I just like the way he plays. I like his competitive at-bats. Kevin Biggio has shown you really nothing offensively changes that he's made. I will say that load management's a thing where he can play multiple positions. He can give everyday guys a day off or at least maybe a half a day off because on the defensive side, it's not going to hurt your team. Offensively, that's why I said yesterday, you know, with the lead, you rarely want to bunt, but a guy's hitting a buck and some change, occasionally you would take the bat out of his hands, make it a little easier for the guy. Especially in the eighth. Especially at the bottom of the order, a little easier. You know, you're, he's facing a guy throwing 97 miles an hour. Why you throw him a 3-2 breaking ball? Yeah. With, a, with a guy with a big giant uppercut his swing. It makes just absolutely no sense to me. That's why Grandall for me, is just so overrated that – Oh, that's a whole different story. I just watching him play would just make you want to scratch your head on what people see in him. But look, I don't write the checks. Write checks whoever you want to write them to. The Cavan thing. Look, if you're sitting around, that's the guy you're worrying about. Omar has got a terrific question in the text line. Not a question, but a comment. Mm-hmm. How great was the move? And I want to throw this out here because we've talked, you know, we talk about this front office a lot. How great was the move not re-signing Ray and Simeon? Both are playing subpar. Well, again, here, here we go with this again. I, the, the Marcus Simeon, how would he look in this lineup surrounded with protection? That's another, that's another thing. Like the, the, when you sign a giant deal, you're an older guy, you're expected to do a ton. He wasn't going to get the years or the number here. And the lineup that he would be in here is not the lineup that he's in in Texas. No, but the point let's, is, let's be honest, he, was, he, 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 he wouldn't have gotten the contract that he got in Texas, but no. he was going to get a good contract here for him to come here. It wasn't going to be a year and the number that he got there. It was going to be a lot less. That's why he didn't come here. It's going to be it's still going to so be. The further that Texas point, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense that you don't. And the Robbie Ray thing, again, I get back to this, and I know I'm biased sometimes when it comes to Pete Walker. Pete Walker's the best pitching coach on planet Earth. It's not even close, and I will say that. And and numbers and people that are here who he's gotten paid yeah. that want to stand in line and come here Quick, how quickly he can make adjustments with players. You say Kikuchi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Raise your hand on who you thought could talk him into after just signing a deal, basically reinventing yourself as a pitcher. We've given you all this money. We don't think you're good enough doing what you're doing right now. Only Change. Pete Walker could sell that to you. That's, you talk about trying to have a conversation moving George Springer to right field. Good luck going up to a pitcher. Not a young guy either, but going up to pitcher and saying, hey. Well, I, I just got paid, but oh, by the way, you stink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you stink. You're getting embarrassed. You know, why, why what, give him a chance? You stink at it. Yeah. What you're doing, what what you're <laughs> doing right now. What, he said. what you're doing right now did get you 30 odd million, but it's not good enough anymore. You got to change. I mean, that is a yeah, that that is so, yeah, you gotta be able to sell guys. And right now, you know, standing back and looking at that, yeah, okay, I guess. But you got you to sort of dig a little bit more into it. And Mark and Simeon, for me, now I'm going to say this, and I, I don't really have any numbers to back this up. A lot of his numbers that he got because of confidence and that short and quick was who he was sitting around and those two minor league ballparks he played in. Helped a lot. A ton. Yes. Not a 45 homer guy. Come on. Come on. Really? Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it, it's. 30 homer guy, but 45 is in a whole different realm. Like, that's, you're doing something. Like, you're doing something times something. Um, Jonathan Reimer, you guys keep talking about getting a left-handed bat. Could Tapia be the left-handed bat we were 
we were seeking. Uh, you know, we're talking about a left-handed bat who could hit in front or in between right. big-time right-handed hitters. Now, Tapia, if you have to, he could lead off for a day or two. Mm -hmm. If you have to, you don't have anybody else. But they don't seem to like that because he's a free swinger. He overswings, uh, and that's probably not what you want. He's very aggressive early in counts, which I guess that's the way, the Blue Jays' way. They don't. Other than George Springer, they don't have a leadoff hitter. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that there's or or a two hole. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean I just you talk about the the what, need, how the bullpen's going to change for me if they want to win a World Series the lineup's got to change. Yeah, but I also think that they're, they're ten games over five hundred. I think that can I think that'll play itself out. I I I, I look at this lineup. And I don't think it's that far removed from being the type of line lineup that allows you to get where you want to go in the postseason. I, you just you have to add that left-handed bat, um, and that's that's it. And and I think we all know the type of left-handed bat we're talking about. We're talking Michael about a Benintendi. We're talking about a Hap. There's a reason I keep saying this, but it's true. The last two off seasons. This team has had this core of offensive players. Look at the moves they tried to make but couldn't make. They tried to sign Michael Brantley. What is Michael Brantley? Left-handed hitter, profiles out of the number two spot, contact hitter, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. That didn't happen. This offseason, we know they talked about Jose Ramirez. How does he profile? Well, he's a switch hitter who could play third base. That deal didn't happen. For two seasons, Ross Atkins has been telling you the obvious. They still don't have that guy. Consequently, I have to think the search continues for that guy. And, and I, I, I do believe that when the trade deadline goes, you are going to see a more impactful left-handed hitter in this lineup. And maybe it's going to cost you Lourdes Gurriel. So I the, don't know. So the long-winded answer to that text is absolutely not. Toppy is not the answer. I do like him at the bottom Toppy of the order. He is, has a little length. He's got speed. He can score from first. Toppy for me has got a, a single sure. into a double. He can do little things. He plays decent enough defense. That run he scored, that that run he scored yesterday, or that run he set up, that that that's his game. And I, I've I've told people this, and I will stick to this. I truly believe that when the season is over, if this team gets where it wants to go, Rymel Tapia is going to have won more games for you than Randall Grichuk would have won for you here. Because he gives you something Randall didn't give you. He gives you something nobody else on this team gives you. And one of the things we saw yesterday, the first word that came to mind yesterday watching him play, the way he plays, he creates chaos. He... He creates it's got the weird, the crab running style. He he creates a little bit of chaos, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. How many good defenses are in good good defenses? Like that can, you know, keep people from turning a single into a double, like what happened yesterday. To your point is for me, what I like is he gets the fourth gear in a hurry, yeah. which is not normal. Yeah. I like that. And I also like the fact that. Never say he's indecisive because he makes his mind up. <laughs> he's going from point A to point B. He, when he makes his mind up, he's getting there. That's it for us this week. We'll be back Monday, 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.
360. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Barker and myself will talk to you Sunday after Blue Jays talk. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the baseball. Get outside. Enjoy the weather. See you later.